Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 312. Albert, I just can't today. I can't. Don't worry. No, no worries. I'm here to pick up your slack. Uh, hello, Albert. How are you doing this lovely evening? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing quite well. You guys got thunderstorms today? I was looking at the map earlier because my dog was scared because I, I thought she had heard thunder the way she was acting, trying to climb the gate. Oh, we most definitely did have thunderstorms. Yeah, okay. All the bad weather I saw was out in Tennessee, so I said, that's... She's yep. got good hearing. <laughs> Flickering lights all over the place. I'm definitely looking wow. forward to when we finally get our uh, generator fully installed so we don't have to worry about that nearly so much. Oh, nice. MLGW yep. just turning off the power at a whim. Mm, that's a little fun. Not quite, but sure. I'm glad you have power this week. <laughs> so so let's talk about today's game. Um, Advent of... Well, World Breakers, Advent of the Khanate. As in... Uh, as in Genghis Khan. As in I can't. As is he can. He can, I can't. He can, you can't. So yeah, so it's it's a fun, light lighthearted game about uh looking for gems of power in an alternate reality earth timeline. Oh, so it's not actually Genghis Khan. This is weird it's Genghis his- Khan with magic. It's after Genghis Khan, around that time period of the Mongol Empire. Like one of his children is in it, or daughters or granddaughters, or something. I forget exactly. I think it's a daughter of Genghis Khan. And she is in it. And it is okay. an alternate reality. This game was on the show a while ago. Let me look it up. I'll tell you what episode it was. Because um, I interviewed the designer, Ellie. El- Ellie Amir. Yes, thank you. It was Ellie Amir. And uh, we talked about the game when it was back on Kickstarter a long time ago and whatnot. So I received the game last year from the Kickstarter, and today we're talking about the actual game. There is a an expansion out for it that I think has already been Kickstarted. Yes, and available for pre-order now. Yeah, it's a card game, sort of like in the style of Magic, and in fact inspired by Magic the Gathering, um, but trying to be more accessible and whatnot. It is that style of back-and-forth card game for two players. However, it does include a, a solitaire variant in the rules include solo rules and two player rules and it is a as i said it's an alternate reality alternate history where these gems of power were found and you're trying to collect them to gain the most power in a two-player game whoever gets a 10 first wins you gain the power through either fighting or possibly um harvesting resources from your locations there we go so the uh components then um, what you get, in, it's a small box game. What you're going to get is a bunch of cards. I don't remember the exact number. I'd say it's probably about 60 to hundred cards, probably about a hundred, uh, enough for two people to play. I, I did mention it's magic inspired. So there's like four spheres of influence, four different colors of cards that each have different types of resources and whatnot. So again, sort of like in magic. So you get the cards, you get different types of tokens to keep track of things, uh, d- damage markers for your for the characters when they get hit, plus one counters, so on and so forth. Power to keep track of your score. Um, you get a couple of reference cards. You get a board that's double-sided to keep track of the whose turn it is when you're playing. Why would you need that to be double-sided? 
it's it's pretty neat, honestly. It it I mean it wasn't needed, but the way it works, it's um each player gets two actions in a turn and it alternates back during the round and it alternates back and forth. There's four there's eight turns in a round. You're gonna get one, I'll get one, you get one, I get one back and forth, back and forth. When you flip the board over, now the other person is at the top. So each round the alternate player goes first. So by flipping over the board, you see who was first that round and helps keep track of the turn. So it's kind of neat. It's I mean, it's it's not needed. They could have gotten away without doing that. But it's a nice effect for having a double-sided board. Interesting. Yep. The um, Was there any other components? I mentioned the cards, um, different types of cards, mainly cards to play with, um, like in, from your deck and whatnot. There's also, there's also four world breakers. Um, and these are the, the influential people, the ones that you will be playing as. There's one in each sphere, so you're going to pick which one you play with. The cards, I mentioned there's all these cards. There's, let me see, 80, yeah, it's about 100, well, it's about 150 cards, actually, sorry. And all the cards have really nice artwork in there. It's all really well done, and it looks great. So it's a nice, it's very compact box, which is kind of nice, but also later on when you're using it, kind of frustrating. Um, How so? What's the frustration from having a small box? I mean, most of the time when I'm playing the game, I put the box away. So what difference does it make about the fact that it's a small box? When I am sorting the cards, you kind of want to... Being a game sort of like Magic, you want to sort out the cards and all that. So when you're building a deck and whatnot and you go through the cards, if they're organized, it makes that process much easier. In the small box, you're just going to have a couple stacks of cards. And I found it very... Honestly, I found it very frustrating trying to figure out where I was. Because not only do you have the cards that you're dealing with, but you're also trying to end uh, of different colors. You also have these two different campaigns that you could play through in the solo game. And just, I don't know, I found it really hard to manage and keep track of the stuff. And then I put everything in a card box with dividers, separating the different types of cards, and it became so simple. It really made a difference. So I found the small box just too small for what it is. That's a fair critique. So yeah, so there's there's your components. I enough cards for two players and a bunch of counters, basically. The what's next? We talk about the theme. Well, how do you feel about the counters? Oh, they're sturdy cardboard. They're fine. They're larger size. They work great. Um, from my look at them, they're all just square counters. There's no custom shapes. There's no. I mean, they don't look. They don't look particularly enticing. They're actually round. Okay. They're all round tokens, but one of them, the one for damage, has pictures of little red cubes on on the counter. (laughs) So it's either got a one cube on one side or a three on the other side. So depending on how much damage a character has, you you flip that cube over to the correct side. (laughs) Outcasted. Why not just use cubes? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I find that I do find that kind of funny, but you know, that's what it is, and it it works fine. It works fine. They're all just round tokens, and I, I got a bag. I pour them all out, and when I'm playing, there's only four types, and it, it's easy enough to manage it. And them all being double sided, either a one or a three, makes it easy to keep track of. I don't know. They don't. They just don't look particularly inspiring. Yeah, it's um, they're very simple tokens. Very simple looking. The the one thing that I wish was different, maybe, is th- there's a mythium is a resource that was discovered in in the world. And people can use it to do things like magic and whatnot. And so you're fighting for these sources of mythium. And that's how you gain your power. The 
Mythium is the resource you spend in the game to play cards. And again, there's counters, there's pictures, there's little gem-like things. And I, I kind of really wish there were plastic gems. And I have a bunch of little plastic red gems that I got from somewhere. And I keep thinking I really should put them in there. But the gems in the game are blue and the ones I have are red. So I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The tokens don't look that particularly inspiring. If the Mythium had been blue, shiny, crystally looking things and the wounds have been damage drops in red, which are both things that are like available from various places because they're pretty standard components. Like, I don't know, the, the tokens do not look inspiring. Yeah, no, I get that. That is the plainest thing in the game. The art card itself is really nice. The tokens are relatively simple. The I do wonder, though, I, I am happy using the tokens. The, the one and three on the either side makes them easy to manage. When I spend two resources or, or I take two more damage, I just flip the token over. And I found that actually is simpler than other games. And I appreciate that about it. Is it easier than just having cubes? Yeah. Flipping up, flipping the count over is easier than cubes. <laughs> the Because of the size, they work well. They work better than I would have thought. Uh, I agree they, they don't look great, but they actually end up working pretty well. So the theme, um, it's, I mean, the theme is kind of neat, but when I'm playing, I don't feel it come through so much. You know, you get all these different, it kind of feels like the theme and magic sort of just feels like, you know, whatever it's there. Um, I, it just this, feels this like in the other magic game. Yeah, kind of. Though, though, you know, it's a shame to say that because I know a lot of effort was put into the theme. The... A lot of the stuff and the flavor and the costumes and the and the art and all that is as historical as possible. And the, the designer went and found artists and, and made sure they had pictures and consulted um, different people to make sure that everything was pretty accurate. So I know he, I know they put a lot of effort into it, but it doesn't it doesn't affect the gameplay a whole lot. It's like any magic game. So yeah, theme is theme is fine and. It comes across like magic. I mean, here's one of the reasons why theme doesn't come out strong in this type of game. There's no mechanics that are set into this particular theme. The mechanics are all about, hey, you're summoning magic and you're like a lot of what you do is magic based and none of what you do is the con based themes. So like as opposed to um oh, the name of the one is not coming to mind but it's the one where you have the little wagon and you're running around the booths it's not solo but you have booths and you're running around you put little crystals and stuff inside your wagon so that feels like you're in a turkish mm-hmm. marketplace it feels very turkish because a lot of stuff you're doing is in a turkish marketplace you're buying and selling spices you're mm-hmm. doing you, like it all feels turkish none of what you do here feels particularly Turkish. Like if I tell you one of the cards is the champion of the two men, does, does that strike in any way Turkish for you? It's right, a two men that no, feels yeah. Yeah. as unique as any other name in magic. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Theme is fine, but it doesn't come across very strong. Uh, then there's the rules, the rule book for this game. It's about 30 pages. It, like I said, it's a small box. So it's not a giant rule book, but it has a lot of pages. It's about, what is it, 35 pages, 40 pages? I found the rules really easy to read, really clear. Everything was very simple to follow. I had no trouble with any of it. 
I yeah, it worked great. Easy to learn from. I was very happy with the rules. My only real complaint about the rules is that I wish I had more of a um like a glossary of terms. There is one at the back and it's it's short. It's got about 10 terms in it, but I keep finding that there's a few terms when I'm playing that until I really start getting the game down that really I don't don't click and when I go to the glossary, they're not there. Then I have to dig through the rules and find them. I will um, say they do have available online a 52-page expanded rulebook oh, that has that glossary that, that you may be looking for. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not talking nonsense here. Oh, good to know. <laughs> yeah, okay. So maybe I should get that expanded rulebook. But um, it's it's not a showstopper in any sense. Like I said, it was easy to find it. In the back in the last page, there's a reference. And those terms that I had trouble with, specifically breach, is right in there. So so not, not hard to find. Just, that's the the win issue I really have with it. It's easy to it's easy to learn from, and easy to use. And even though it's thirty five pages, I find it easy to flip through and find the right thing. And I don't know why, but it works better than I thought. Part of the rule book, the last few pages are the solo campaign, and before that, there is also some information on um different player variants, like if, uh, like two player variants, like um a drafting rule and that sort of thing. So yeah, so then we get into the gameplay. So I already said this is a magic style game. Um, describing the two-player game, when you play solo, you're playing against an AI. The, the way the game works is you're going to take turns going back and forth. Each turn you get an action. You could play a card by paying its cause. You could choose to instead gain a resource, uh, Mythium. You could uh, spend two Mythium to to increase your standing in a guild. The higher you're standing in the guild, the better cards you're able to cast. Each each card that is specific to a guild and not the generic suit requires us at least one standing in the guild. Some require higher. You know, they're more powerful. So so you could spend those two Mythium to raise your standing in one of the guilds. The area you could choose to draw a card, or you could choose to attack, or you could choose to develop a location. The location is one of the types you have, one of the type of cards you have. You play it in front of you, and all the location does is on your turn, you could choose to develop it. And when you do that, it has two or three different things it could do. You start with the top one, you cover it with a little tiny, tiny, tiny marker that comes in the box, and you gain whatever oh, benefit it is. <laughs> yeah, it works fine. But yeah, <laughs> but they are surprisingly tiny. Um, They could get lost. The If only they used some plastic cover... cubes. Yeah, plastic cubes would work. Plastic cubes might be too big. <laughs> so anyway, you cover it and you get the benefit, which is generally power. So this is one of the ways you win the game is if you have locations that give you power, you could work, go to those locations and mine them or do whatever it is you're doing there. I think it was mining, mining for Mythium. And you gain that power. And the other way you could gain power is I said you could attack. If you attack and it any of your attackers are not blocked you could gain a power for each attacker that got through. 10 power, first to 10 power wins the game. The, is there anything else I really want to tell you about the way the game works? The, a lot of the cards have special abilities, you know, when you play them or when they're in a combat. After combat, there's a breach ability or there's a block ability and whatnot. On your turn, you're play, when you're playing a card, you're either playing a follower or location, or I think the other card is a spell, but it might have the type wrong. But there's generally three types of cards that you play. Um, 
that's pretty much the gameplay. It's pretty straightforward. I enjoyed it, the two-player game. It's simple. I like that. I like the the idea of the locations and and harvesting for power. It's kind of cool because sometimes you want to harvest a location, but you realize if you do, the opponents might attack you, and if they attack you successfully, they get to uh, basically attack one of your locations, and then you have to cover one of those spots with a marker, and you don't get its benefits. So basically, they they waste one of your spaces on the location, one of those benefits. So it, it gets interesting. You may want to choose to develop a location, or you may say, you know, I really don't want to because I'm pretty sure if I develop this one, this guy's going to now attack me and get the thing I really wanted to get. So I'd rather I'd rather wait and let him take the weak one. So there's some interesting choices there. The, the way the combat works, when you attack, if your opponent blocks, and you do one fight at a time, you resolve it to its end, then... My dog is barking... Then you, um, what was I saying? You, you you put damage on them and you put damage markers in the characters so they die eventually. It's not like magic where it resets every round. I kind of like this. That's the basic two-player game. I mentioned there's variants for that. The main variant really is drafting role or deck construction. It does bring rules for setting up the f- a basic deck for each of the four types of cards. Which Let is probably just here. take all of the cards. It's take all the cards of one color, and then for each of the four different um, world breakers, it has a set of the common cards to choose for that world breaker for the stand for their standard deck. That's pretty standard. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean the the game right it brings a lot of cards, so it encourages uh, deck construction. But if you don't want to do that, you could just play with the default decks, and that works fine. You just want use all the different cards. The then there's the solo game. The way the solo, out of curiosity, solo game before works, you do that, have you built decks? Have you tried that out? No, I played with my son, and we played with the standard decks. He doesn't really care for deck built for deck construction, honestly. He loves deck building games, but he doesn't care for doing deck construction. Like when we play Lord of the Rings or Marvel, any of those games, he he'll get his deck from the beginning, and he's not that inclined to change it. And when we played this game. Like, eh, whatever. We I bought magic cards and said, oh, look, you want to put these cards in your deck? Nah, that's fine. <laughs> Which I totally don't get that because I really enjoy deck construction. But anyway, so, so the solo game, the way it works is there's two different campaigns. Each campaign is five games. And if you start from the be- beginning of game one and go all the way through 10, it's sort of a little bit of a story arc uh, as you go along. You're playing against a bot. The way the bot works is it has a deck of 12 different cards, and they're double-sided. You're going to shuffle up the cards, putting them on the side, on the turn one slash turn three side facing up. And you take your turn like normal. On On the AI's turn, you do whatever the card says, which is generally speaking, draw a card and place it into their area. And then you flip that card over, and that tells you what they're going to do in their next action. So when you're taking your action, you already know ahead of time what they're about to do next. So you know, um, and all those cards are solo only cards, or it's just a regular deck? These are specifically for the solo campaign, and they're just AI instructions. They're the AI deck. How complicated are those cards? They're pretty simple. It's generally attack, you know, draw a card and place it face up. That's that's the turn one action. The backside is going to say, 
attack with all your heroes that are available. When you say draw a card and plays a face up, that card that you're drawing is uh-huh. just a random regular card or it's a specific the, yes. solo card. It is just a no, they're using regular they the solo campaign you make a pre a deck that's predetermined already. It tells you what cards you put into the AI's deck and what cards you put into your deck. You don't choose. Okay. Um so and the AI has a small deck. I think it's like ten or twelve cards. It's not too many. So you have a good idea what sort of stuff is coming up. And also there's not a whole lot of enemies that it can put out against you. Right. There's only ten. And they die. Keep in mind that when they take damage they will die and not come back until you go through the whole deck, the whole deck and then reshuffle. So, so the solo camp, the first solo campaign is basically, you're no, you don't do any attacking. The rules say you don't get to attack in this. You're really just harvesting locations for power. And that's your way to win is get, going through and making a lot of power. So it takes a little bit of the rules out. The, I found the campaign at first it was interesting enough, but very quickly got really hard in a frustrating kind of way. You know how some sometimes you play a special... Like it used to happen a lot with Lord of the Rings. Some scenarios I will go up and play it. I draw my hand, and as soon as I've drawn my hand, I can tell I'm going to win or lose because this scenario is so tough and so challenging. I need very specific situation to be able to win. If it didn't happen, sure, too bad for me. This game has a lot of that feel. As soon as I draw the first couple cards from the the enemy's deck, I kind of have a sense if I even have a chance or not. And I, I always find that pretty frustrating when, when I'm playing a, a game. Because then, you know, do I keep going through the motions of it just to see what happens? Or do I give up? Or, you know, may, maybe I'm just enjoying the process. I don't know. I find that frustrating. I don't, I don't like that style. So that's the first campaign. And each chapter in the campaign gets harder. The way they make them harder is you have to gain more power to win. I think the first game is six. The second one is seven and eight. Maybe one of them started to four. I don't remember exactly. But, you know, it's just a higher goal. And whether you or your opponent get to that goal first, that determines the winner. The One of the other ways they make it harder, and I'm sorry, these are probably spoilers, but oh well. <laughs> they're, they're not big spoilers. The It'll have you... Find four cards that the player hasn't gotten yet and add them to this uh, new rule card. Then the card says, as soon as the uh, opponent has two um, two standing in, in the guild, shuffle these cards into the deck. Right? So so it's not... And those cards are stronger. They're going to make your opponent more powerful. So up until that happens, you start with... Everybody starts with one standing. So as soon as he gets a second standing, you got to do this. His deck only has 10 cards, and two of them already have the ability to make that more difficult. So in the next five turns, you know it's really going to get difficult. So this is a scenario where I found that if if that happened in the first round or two, it's you know, why well, keep trying? I'm going to lose for sure. My best odds are if it's like turn seven or eight before the hard cards get in there. So again, very, very frustrating. I did not really enjoy this experience. Um, well, that's then a I went on to ca- Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really didn't enjoy it personally. Then I went into campaign two. Campaign two, now I do get to attack. So there's a different way to gain power. It's attacking versus locations. Locations can be a possibility, but they aren't in the first game of campaign two. Um, So this one feels like a more full game where I have a lot more choices of what I'm doing and whatnot. And I like that. Um, 
I felt like I could fight. The The combat did not feel quite as lopsided, at least at first. I didn't get all the way through the campaign. Too. In fact, I didn't get very far at all. Um, but it is more interesting in terms of the mechanics. I do feel like I'm, I'm getting to use more of the rules of the game with that campaign. So it, it is way, way more interesting. It does seem to have that same difficulty thing where you know once you, you finish want. the first chapter... Hmm? You know if you want immediately, you mean? Oh, <laughs> n- n- oh, I don't think I got quite that into it yet. To, I don't have enough experience with it yet to tell you that, but I do know that it has a thing where once the, the opponent gets a two standing in the guild, you add cards into his deck, harder cards. So that is in there. So it may it may be, you're right, it may be that a su- I could tell sooner if I'm going to win or not. It also felt like campaign two, there's more strategy. When I was playing... I could realize when I was making mistakes, tactical mistakes, like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that last round. I should have done something different. And it didn't really hit me until then. With the first campaign, I never felt that. It felt it just felt random to me. Um, like strategy was just I mean, there's there is strategy, but it just it felt like things were just a lot more random and not I had very little control. The yeah, so I like campaign too well. What what I don't like about it is that you're using pre-constructed decks so you don't really get to use all the different cards that you have you can't use your own decks for the campaign no there's a little bit of choice but you it tells you start with these cards in your deck you know it's like 20 or 30 cards and this is your deck so you know what you're going to have um if you win there is a drafting deck you're going to shuffle the drafting deck and draw six cards and from those six choose three the rest of the three are not out, and you cannot choose them again in the future. So you will get to tune your deck over time, depending on what shows up. And that could be interesting, because if, if you get six cards show up, and you're like, oh, there's four of these that I really, really would like to get this game, this campaign. Well, you're only going to pick three, so now, now it's going to be a little bit of a tougher choice. And and there is there is that which is interesting, that interesting metagame between the, between the games. But but again, you're still only going through so many cards of the deck. You're not or the box. You're not going through everything. You're o- you're only using like f- two of the colors for yourself and one for your opponent, I think. So it is limited, and I mean there are different colors depending on which campaign. Campaign one uses one of them, and campaign two uses a a different set. So you will see a lot of the cards, if not all of them. But but it, again, it lacks that the ability to make your own deck from the get-go so very nice um my thoughts of the game so like i said i didn't really care for campaign one i do like campaign two overall though i i would say this is not really a game intended for solo play i think it's really a two-player game and it works much better as a two-player game with a solo option so so if you get the game you know you, you play with someone and, and you want to play it solo some you could you could take apart all the decks you've already made and build your solo campaign and play it for a while because of the limited number of cards, though, that means if, if you're going to do the solo game, you're committing to playing five solo games before you get back to the two-player game, or you're taking apart all those <laughs> decks and rebuilding two-player decks, and then later on switching back, which does not seem realistic. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's World Breakers, Rise of the Conneth. Nice. To, I mean... The way you're describing it, it sounds essentially like a magic clone. It doesn't sound like there's a lot to distinguish it from other things. I know. Have we talked about Sky Tier Horde? I don't think we have yet. 
No, I'm not familiar with that at all. Oh, I need to discuss that one because it's another magic type game. Maybe we'll even do it next week. Um, just for comparison, because it's another one that feels to me like it's trying to do magic, but making it really good for solo. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll just hold off for next week and talk more about that sort of in comparison. But this one, it feels just based on what you're describing and based on the look of it, it feels like it's a magic clone with some different stuff. And the idea is, is that it's sort of like magic light, where it's not as much involved, not as you, know, you have to buy a whole card collection, things like mm-hmm. that. But the fact that you have so much fewer choices and the fact that the, the adversary deck is just random stuff. I don't know. You, you haven't sold me on it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I would recommend it. If you're just going to play solo, if you're going to play two player, I do think it's a good choice. We definitely enjoyed it at home. The, uh, yeah, and you know, there there are many games that are inspired by magic. A lot of people played magic, and now they've come up with a game and whatnot. And I think there's a different variant. I do really like the idea of the locations here and how they work. Yeah, I thought that was a very clever new introduction into that whole style of gameplay. I guess the, the combative two-player games. I do like that. I do like the the way the combat works. That the damage is permanent versus temporary because you end up going through cards a, a little more i i think with magic there tends to be a lot of stalemates where nobody does anything because you're just sort of frozen in place that the, the taking damage sort of helps with that or at least it can a lot because everybody that gets in the fight will take damage so if i choose to attack yeah i'm, I'm risking this person's going to die after a little while but i know i'm also like hurting your guys and weakening your side too whereas in magic Sometimes I, I attack and you block and nobody dies and nothing happened. It was totally futile. So I do like the what it introduced new. Um, I just don't feel this worked so well solo. Now, I don't know. There's uh, there's an expansion coming out. I don't know what that will add. That, I mean, they have a brand new... For, just from reading briefly on it, there seems to be a new solo mode they're doing for it, but it still sounds okay. like it's going to be a campaign and that you're running through it. So maybe that it's very similar. I really don't know. Are you uh, intending yeah, we, on getting the expansion? I don't think I will. Right now, I don't think I will. I'll wait and see when it comes out. Fair. Um, unless, unless my son likes uh, the game enough that, that he wants to keep playing it a lot more, then maybe I'd get it to, to add more variety. But again, he is not interested in the deck building aspect as much, so so maybe not. Well, maybe I'll be able to sell you on Sky to your Horde next week. Okay, I look forward to hearing about that one. Or maybe I can't. <laughs> maybe you can't. No. <laughs> Thank you, Julius. And until next back. week. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus and can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.